copy of God's Word and look with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 13 this morning. Exodus chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 13 this morning as we continue to make our way through this revelation of God to His people. If you're visiting with us this morning, it is our habit here at Woodlawn to take books of the Bible and to preach through those books. We go through an Old Testament text and then a New Testament and back and forth. For we believe that God has equally revealed Himself to us through His Word, the entirety of His Word, such that Exodus is as equally the Word of God as Jesus' words are, for example, in the Gospels. So we want to know who is God, and we know that by giving ourselves to His Word. And we're here in Exodus chapter 18. We've been on a journey with the nation of Israel as they too have been journeying with God. They were slaves for, four, uh, for 400 plus years, and then they've been on this journey away from Pharaoh, and you remember the exchange between Pharaoh and Moses, and finally Moses leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and they encounter the Red Sea and God's providential care there, and then they exit. And they come into the Sinai Peninsula, and they immediately begin to do what we Christians sometimes do best, right? We've looked at that narrative. They complain. There's no water. There's no food. We would have rather died in in Egypt. And now in this text, chapter 18 serves as a bridge between what we've seen before and what we are to see coming In these coming chapters, the narrative is going to begin to climb in a rather steep way as we make our way to Mount Sinai, and there we see the revelation of God to His people as He reveals Himself through the giving of the Ten Commandments. But we don't have to wait until Exodus chapter 20 to find out how God desires for his people to live in relationship to one another and in relationship to God. We will see in our text of Scripture, even as we've heard some of these texts already read this morning, that God has already been at work in the life of the nation of Israel, revealing himself to his people, so that when they even come to a moment such as this, as Moses is challenged by his father-in-law, Moses responds rightly. Why? Because he's had the word of God, the revelation of God's character sown into his heart over and over and over again. So he knows how to rightly respond to God. In our text this morning, beginning here in chapter 18, verse 3, we learn this most important truth, that God uses the wisdom of others. God uses the wisdom that he has given to others to accomplish his purposes, a wisdom that is in line with the revelation of himself. Verses 13 through 16, we're going to see Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, observe his actions. And this is what every young man wants. He wants his father-in-law looking closely at him so that his father-in-law can correct everything that he's doing wrong, right? 
That's how it works at my house anyways. Here we go. Chapter 18, verse 13. And the next day, Moses sat down to judge the people. You remember last week, this incredible revelation of of Moses to Jethro. Jethro had already heard before he ever arrives to Moses. He had already heard what God was doing, but Moses invites him into his tent and shares with him all that God has done. And we see this conversion of, of Jethro, and Jethro worships the Lord. And what Moses is telling us is the events that occur next happen literally on the very next day after Jethro has come to faith, after Jethro believes in God, Moses sat down to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening, an all-day event. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, he's saying this to Moses, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand among you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me, and one, I decide between one person and another, and two, I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Jethro has been with Moses for a period of time, or at least for this this day, and he's observing what's taking place in the life of the nation of Israel. And Jethro himself, what do we know about him? We know that he is a Midianite priest. Whether he is the Midianite priest or a Midianite priest, clearly Jethro has a background of live life experience and wisdom that he brings to bear in this moment, seeing what Moses is doing. Now, we believe that there are somewhere between a million to two million people that have come with Moses out of Egypt into the Sinai Peninsula, and you can imagine just how many people might have a problem. I just have six, seven people living in my house. And Lord have mercy. Dispute after dispute, right? Can you imagine two million people? How many disputes might be taking place? Not only that, what do we know about the nation of Israel? The nation of Israel had been slaves down in Egypt. They would have been in some measurable way controlled by that system, that system of administration and and governance. Perhaps in the Egyptian system, there was a way for the nation of Israel, even as foreigners in that land, to have their problems adjudicated. But now here is Israel. They're down in the Sinai Peninsula. They're away from that Egyptian expression. Perhaps some of the turmoil here is just simply, they're not quite sure what to do, and so they take their complaints, as would be natural, to their leader, Moses. And the Bible says that Moses is sitting there all day long adjudicating 
situations. The implication from the language, the rapidity of the language is one of intensity. There's, there's problems here. Moses is frustrated. Jethro's frustrated in watching it, and the, and the people are frustrated. You can imagine, perhaps, there are people that have been waiting for a period of months to have a situation adjudicated. And delayed justice, we know, is what? No justice at all. So it's a chaotic scene. Jethro, the Bible tells us, is, is concerned. Essentially, he's saying to Moses, boy, are you nuts? You can't continue to do this. You're going to wear yourself out. Moses, look at the larger narrative. Look at the larger call of God in your life. Moses, if you continue in this way, the primary task that God has given you is not going to be fulfilled among his people. Ultimately, Moses, you won't be as beneficial as what God desires for you among his people. And look what Moses says. Well, I'm doing this because the people want to inquire of God. Notice what Moses is doing for the life of the nation of Israel. He is functioning as a prophet and as a priest. He's functioning in this dual role. He's one that is going to communicate the truth of God's word to the people, but he's also going to mediate between the people and God. And this is what he's doing here. He's functioning in that priestly role. The people want to know, what do they want to know? What is God's will for this situation? A situation many of us find ourselves in, do we not? We want to know what God's will is in terms of our lives. What God's will is maybe for a very specific situation. What God's will is for, for marriage. What God's will is for a job. Do I take the promotion or do I not take the promotion? Do I change jobs or do I keep the job? Do I buy the new vehicle or do I delay in buying the new vehicle? Do I buy the house now or do I wait? All kind of situations in our hearts and our lives where we're wanting the wisdom of God we want to know what is God's will in this moment, in this time, in this situation. This is what Israel wants to know. We know Israel is, at least in this situation, desiring to walk obediently with God. And friends, one of the ways we express our obedience before the Lord is when we inquire of Him. As believers... It should be our primary responsibility, regardless of the circumstances that we are facing, to want to know what has God said about this situation. And friends, I'd say to you this morning that there's nothing that you or I face on a daily basis where God's Word has not spoken wisdom for that moment. So the people come to Moses. Moses acts as... That priest, I decide between one person and another. He's, he's judging. And then notice what he's doing here. Secondly, he is acting as a prophet. I make them know the statues 
of God and of his laws. I let them know the ordinances of God and God's teachings. They might be thinking, wait a minute, time out. We're not to Sinai yet. We've not gotten to the law codes yet. We've not seen the Lord clearly reveal himself in this way. But friends, from the very beginning of the narrative of the Pentateuch, we see God progressively revealing himself to the nation of Israel. Do you remember the first time God gives his word, his revelation to his people? We rewind the clock and we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 16, God gives a very specific revelation of himself to Adam and Eve. Do you remember that narrative? What does he say to them? Of every tree of the garden you may eat, but of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat from it, for in the day that you do, you will what? Surely die. God has indeed revealed himself to Adam and to Eve, and by extension to the nation of Israel. Go back in Exodus chapter 15 just real quick, and look with me in Exodus chapter 15, and verse 25 and 26. Here is one of those narratives of where the nation of Israel is, is complaining to the Lord, and the Bible says, and they cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet, and there the Lord made for them a what? A statue and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. See, friends, God is a God of revelation. God is one who has continually been revealing himself to his people. How do we know who is God? We know him by the revelation of his word. We know him by the revelation of his character. As he gives us his word, we can know of the holiness of God by seeing what God desires for you and me. We can know the holiness of God by seeing what God commands of you and me. And this is what God is doing. He's laying out before the people what he expects of them, what it looks like for them to walk rightly before him so that they might rightly know who God is. Moses functions as this prophet. He functions as this priest before God's people. And then look at this next scene beginning in verse 17. God uses the experience and wisdom of Jethro in this moment. He uses the experience and wisdom of Jethro to instruct Moses. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, 
what you are doing is not good. You're going to certainly wear yourself out for thinking, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall inform them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who do what? Fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place these men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people all the times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden along with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Now, it's interesting. For how long has Jethro been a believer in Yahweh? Less than 24 hours, right? We're not talking about a man who's come to faith in Christ and he's been following God now for a year, two years, five years, and he's been watching and, and paying attention, and, and now the Lord's going to use him to insert into a moment wisdom for a situation. Jethro is a new believer. But look at how God is at work through Jethro. Friends, how long do we have to wait for God to use us in the advancement of the kingdom? How long do we have to wait for God to use us in the body of Christ? How long do I have to sit back and wait to use gifts and talents that, the God, that God has given me to be used in the life of his church? Jethro gives us the answer. When God changes our lives, at that moment, God has equipped us. We don't, might not have the full revelation of, of, of God's knowledge. We might not know everything that we should or that we ought, but God uses us in those moments for the advancement of the kingdom. God is at work using Jethro in the life of ancient Israel. And how does the narrative play out for Moses moving on from this point? See, friends, God uses experience and wisdom that he grants us to be used for his glory and for his honor and for the advancement of his kingdom. Jethro immediately goes to work being used by God. Say, Pastor, how do you know that what Jethro is communicating is indeed something from the Lord? Well, look twice at verse 19. 
Now obey my voice, I will give you advice. And what does the text say? And God be with you. It's an indication from Moses. Now Moses is reflecting on this narrative years down the road. He's looking back, but Moses is letting us know that God is at work. There's a sense, there's an understanding that what Jethro is saying is wisdom that comes from above. And then look at verse 23. We just read that. If you do this, what will happen? God will direct you. There was a sense that what Jethro was saying was wisdom that was in keeping with what? Wisdom that was in keeping with God's statutes and laws. And what Moses shows us, friends, is that when we step out by faith, when we walk with the Lord in a manner and in a way that is consistent with the revelation of His Word, at that moment, I can know I'm walking in the wisdom of God. At that moment, I can move with a sense of certainty knowing that I am doing what the Lord has commanded. Friends, there's no other way for you and me to know rightly what God has expected of us other than His Word. God isn't revealing Himself to you and me through a still, small voice. Through His Word and the work of the Spirit, He's not revealing Himself to us through a still, small voice. He's not uh, taking out rental space on billboards across Baton Rouge and declaring a message for you and for me. God has given to you and me everything that we need for life and godliness, Peter tells us, through His Word. He's given us what we need to walk rightly with Him through His Word. So we take the principles that He's given us in His Word, and look what Moses does. He organizes Israel using the wisdom of Jethro a new believer for the benefit of the nation of Israel. Did you see what happened at the very end of verse 23? Jethro says, if you do this, God's going to direct you. You're going to be able to endure. And who else? And all the people will go to their place in peace. See, friends, we can walk and peace when we're walking with the Lord. When we're not walking with the Lord, there's chaos and calamity. And all of us experience that from time to time. Every single person seated in this auditorium, including myself this morning, we have moments in our lives when we are not walking in accordance to the will of God. We're not walking according to the wisdom of God. And it sows into our hearts and our lives chaos and confusion. And Moses and Jethro show us the way. They show us the path forward. They show us what it looks like to walk obediently with God. And look what Moses is doing here. Moses is doing here in, in, this, in this section exactly what he had already articulated to Jethro that he was doing. 
Moses, verse 20, is going to represent the people before God. He's going to take their cares and their concerns, and he's going to place them before God. He is going to be a priest on their behalf. And number two, he's going to function as the prophet that God has called him to be, and you shall inform. Now, some of your Bibles, like mine, translates that word warn, but, but that word warning, sometimes we think of the word warning in a little too strong of a sense. He's, he's indicating here more inform. He's going to teach. This is what the prophet should do. Of course, the prophet also warns if you don't walk rightly. But here, literally, he's going to teach them, inform them, inform them of what? The ways of God the statutes, and the laws. And he's going to make them, look at that word, know the way in which they should walk and what they must do. See, friends, God has not left us as children wandering in the wilderness with no revelation from himself. God is an eminent God. He's not only the one that is is transcendent, holy, other, completely distinct from you and me, he's also readily available to us. He's also right there with us. He's also at every moment continuing to reveal himself and make himself known to us. For what purpose? Moses uses one of the most intimate words in the Hebrew Bible. Moses reveals for us that God's concern is that his people may yada him, that they may know him intimately. That they may know everything about this divine creative, all-powerful, holy, righteous being. See, friends, this is how God has been at work among his people from the very beginning. God desires that you and I know everything about him, that we know all about him, that we might be people who, as Jesus would say, My sheep hear my voice, and they know me. How do I know the voice of God? I know that voice because I know his word. So when someone speaks a word of wisdom to me and says, hey, Lewis, I think you ought to do X, Y, and Z, I can measure what that person is saying against the wisdom of the word, And in a moment, by the work of the Spirit, working through His Word and the recall of that Word in my heart and life, I can know, is that a statement in keeping with the wisdom of God, or is that something I need to ignore? God wants you and me to know Him. And Paul would tell us, that there is a very specific way for you and me to know God. Paul would tell us that there's a very specific way that we can intimately, with great depth, 
and knowledge and understanding know God. Paul tells us that the way in which you and I know God is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know God as we repent of our sins and turn from ourselves and and we turn to Christ and then Paul would say to the church at Corinth, hey guys, I want you to know nothing more than Christ and the power of his resurrection. Do you know Christ in that way this morning? Do you have that intimate knowledge of God today? Are you walking in that power, that resurrection power today? Is that knowledge of of who God is and what he has accomplished on your behalf and my behalf through the person of Christ, is that affecting the way that you live your life every moment? Are your decisions about what to do on a daily basis being controlled by the wisdom of Christ and Him crucified. Friends, rejoice this morning if you are a believer in the Lord that you and I can know this same God that Moses was talking about. You and I can know this same great and glorious resurrected Lord Jesus Christ that Paul wrote about. You and I can know this powerful Spirit of God who is at work in our lives that same spirit that Jesus spoke of as we live our lives faithfully and consistently in hope of Christ. And then don't you love how the writers of the New Testament use the same language of the Old Testament? Paul was not writing for you and me a new narrative. Think of what Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 4. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. He is concerned with how the Christians at Ephesus, he's concerned with how they do what? With how they walk. He wants them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what what Moses is saying here. I'm going to teach you that you may know the Lord and that you may walk in what he desires. Where's Paul getting this concept of believers walking faithfully before God? Paul is a wonderful Old Testament theologian. He knows his Bible. Paul has given us a message that is consistent with the revelation of God from the very beginning of God's relationship with his people. He wants us to walk in a manner worthy. But notice what also he says. He wants us to walk in a way. Now think of the narrative in the book of Acts. We come to the book of Acts, and what is the critique of the church in Acts? Look with me in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 2. Acts chapter 9, verse 2. Then we'll go to chapter 19, and I can give you several other examples. Acts chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Acts 9, verse 1, but, but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging, what? 
to the way. If he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Hop over 10 chapters later to Acts chapter 19. Paul's going to tell us about this ruckus group in Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, verse 23, and look what the text of Scripture says. And about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Where where does this understanding of the New Testament believers faithfully walking in relationship with the Lord come to be called the way? See, friends, what Paul is telling us, what Acts is revealing to us, what Moses is communicating to us is there ought to be a distinct way that believers live their lives. People ought to be able to look at you and in a moment's time, through your language and through your actions, they ought to be able to say, oh, he's on the way. Watch out for that guy. Watch out for that girl. They are on the way. Woodlawn, what do our actions communicate to our community? Do people know that there's something distinct about the people of God at Woodlawn? And let's bring it a little closer home. How about for you individually? Do people know that there is something different about you as an individual? If we could all show up at your work tomorrow morning and ask your coworkers, hey, do you know BJ's a believer? What would they say? If I interacted with Zach Truitt's patients and I said, would, would you, do, do you know that Zach Truitt is a believer? What would his patience say? If we could all show up at Ms. Janelle Tyne's classroom tomorrow morning in EBR and engage with her students and, and ask them, do you know Janelle Tynes is a believer? What would they say? If we polled your neighbors, the people living two or three houses around you, and we asked them, do you know that Miss Rose Swain is a believer? What would they say? What Moses reminds us, and what Paul reminds us, what the Spirit of God is reminding us of, 
is that they will know that we're on the way by the way we walk. Brothers and sisters, we ought to have a distinct walk in the way we live our lives. Friend, if you're here this morning and no one in those spheres of influence can tell any difference about your life, if they can't distinguish you between, if they can't distinguish you from the pagans who live down the road, might it be because Christ, by his word and spirit, has never transformed your life? Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, gives him wisdom and instruction. A wisdom and instruction that is a benefit for Moses and all of the people that they might live in peace. But notice this next scene, verses 24, 25, and 26. Moses puts into practice the instruction of Jethro. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard cases they brought to Moses, but any small matter, they decided themselves. Jethro obviously stays around for a while, How long does it take Moses to organize a million to two million people in this manner? I would propose to you this morning, you don't organize a million or two million people overnight. Just read the narrative of what's taking place in Israel right now. They had to call up some 300,000 reservists for a war, and they've not even invaded yet. Why? For one reason, you've got 300,000 people. You've got to organize them you got to make sure they're equipped and they, they know what to do. Jethro is staying around for some period of time, and, and guess what Jethro gets to see? Jethro gets to see the fruit of his labor. Jethro gets to see what God is doing. I was sharing with another brother the other day, an illustration that I was going to use this morning for this text of Scripture following last week's. Remember what happened last week? Moses shares the gospel with Jethro, and Jethro comes to faith. He believes, and then what do we see? Jethro immediately begins to live out his life in faithfulness to God, and Jethro uses the wisdom that God has given him, and and even wisdom that he shares back to Moses. And then God uses that to organize the entirety of the nation of Israel, all for the benefit of the nation of Israel. So God is constantly using us for the advancement of his kingdom. I remember hearing a narrative when I first, when I first came to Woodlawn, and Jeff, you just happened to be here this morning, brother. I didn't know you were going to be here, but I can verify that I'd already told a brother I was going to use this example. I remember hearing the story of when Jeff Betts came to faith in Christ, and Billy Tynes discipling him, spending time with Jeff, sharing the narrative 
of the Word of God and of Christ's work. And I don't know how many years ago, Jeff, you came to faith in Christ. 20, 30 years ago? 28 years ago. Now, now watch it. Are you ready? 28 years ago, the faithfulness of Billy Tynes and discipling Jeff Betts, and now Jeff's son, Blake, is in the life of our church. And Blake started pursuing a good friend, Timmy. And Timmy, where's, Timmy's not here this morning. He misses the illustration. He should be at church. <laughs> Timmy Nethery wasn't attending uh, Woodlawn or anywhere else. And, and, and Blake comes to faith in Christ and is discipled. And the Lord start, starts using Blake. And then Blake starts pursuing a good friend. And, and now in the life of Woodlawn is Timmy with his three kids all because there was a brother in the balcony who is willing to faithfully disciple another brother who in turns turns around and disciples his family. Do you see it, Woodlawn? Do you see what God does? 30 years ago, Billy Tyne seated at McDonald's on Jones Creek Road could have never imagined the effect of what God would do in Jeff's life. But watch this. Not only Jeff's life, the life of this church. This is how God has designed us, brothers and sisters. Would you take a few moments and in your mind's eye, can you peer down the road 30 years from today and imagine the people seated in the life of this congregation? Who will be a faithful follower of Christ in the life of this church? Because you've taken the time to intentionally communicate the wisdom of God to someone else. For those of you who work in our children's ministry, imagine as you spend time studying a lesson, you really don't want to do it because you don't want to have to deal with those snotty-nosed kids, right? But you study that lesson and you, and you teach an Awana class or, or you teach a, a children's Sunday school class or you're teaching children's church. Imagine what God will do through your faithfulness 30 years from now. Those of you who are working in our student ministry on Wednesday nights, you got a group of adults that are seated up there, and after Pastor Travis finishes preaching, they divide out into life groups, and, and you don't think that kid is listening. In fact, you don't think he's ever listened to a thing you said. But every week, you're faithfully preparing. Can you see that student in the life of this church 30 years from now? Now married with his or her own kids because you were willing to faithfully communicate the statutes and the laws of God. And look at the last verse. Brother Robert says, Jethro went home. You know what Moses is telling us? Jethro's job was finished. Jethro had done what God designed him to do. He went home. 
He went home in peace. He went home in joy. He went home without any regret. Why? Because he walked obediently with God. Why? Because he did exactly what God had commanded him to do. See, this text reminds us, friends, that God uses the wisdom and instruction of others to communicate to us his wisdom, his wisdom from his word. And when we follow it, we too can go home. We too can wait for that moment when we hear those sweet words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. Can you go home today? Can you walk out of here today in peace, knowing that you've done all that God has required of you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom that your word grants to us. We thank you for the way in which that wisdom instructs our hearts and our lives and our souls. God, in the same way that you were instructing ancient Israel, so too do we bow before you this morning in humble submission, and we say to you, Lord, teach us today. Teach us your laws. Teach us your statutes. Give us your wisdom. And we cling to the promise of your word that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely. We thank you that you are a God who is freely granting to us your wisdom so that we might know how to walk in the way. Would you take a few moments where you're seated this morning and respond to the preaching of God's word? If you're here as a believer today, would you take a few moments and reflect on your life? How are you pursuing the knowledge of God? Have you disciplined yourself? so that you might know God? Have you woven into the very fabric of your life moments that you spend so that you can intentionally know God? Friends, this is one of those moments that God has woven into your life and into my life for us to know God if you're here today and you're not closely connected to a church, friend, we would encourage you, get connected in the life of this church. Know God through His Word as you gather with God's people. Don't neglect the gathering of God's people. As a writer of Hebrews would, 
would say to to the hearers, remember your leaders, the one who taught you the word of God, obey them. You can't fulfill that text of scripture without faithfully gathering with God's people. Would you ask God by his spirit to give you the strength and the courage to make those changes in your life so that you can walk rightly in the way? Friend, perhaps you're here this morning and and you would acknowledge, Pastor, I'm not walking in the way. And God, by His Word, has convicted me this morning that the reason I'm not faithfully walking with the Lord is I've never surrendered my life to Christ. So you find yourself pursuing all the pleasures that the world has to offer, but God has shown you today of your need to know Him. And the way to know Him is through His Word. Would you surrender your life to Christ today? In just a few moments, we're going to stand and corporately respond to the preaching of God's Word. As we do that through song, myself and Pastor Travis will be standing down front. If you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ, we'll be standing here. Please feel free to come to us. We'll be glad to share with you how you can trust in Christ. But friend, you don't have to come forward and speak to one of us. There are plenty of Bible-believing people seated around you. Please feel free to turn to someone seated next to you and ask them, how can I faithfully follow Christ? They'll be glad to share the gospel with you. Secondly, perhaps you'd like one of us just to pray with you that God might indeed strengthen your faith, that he might grant to you wisdom for a specific situation that you're dealing with. We would delight in shepherding your heart by praying for you. Thirdly, maybe God has impressed upon your heart that this is a congregation in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with Christ. This would be an opportunity for you to express your interest in being part of this faith family. Lord, as we respond to you now, may our responses be pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?